hi thank you for tuning in now before we get started with today's episode on the climate chat with Amy Kals, I just wanted uh, to encourage you that even if we are fluctuating as a world or as a continent you know or as a country with the ups and downs that COVID-19 has presented us I think that we are emerging from it stronger. I think it has some positive sides to those that have lost uh, their dear ones, to those that have lost their jobs. I am sorry. And it's a pity, but there is another side from it that I want you to look at. And that is that you have learned to be more resilient. You have learned to stand strong and you have learned that no matter what happens, you're going to push and you're going to become the best possible version of yourself because it is through pushing harder that we will reach the other end of the road in our lives. And that, my dear, is becoming the best possible version of ourselves. Well, today's episode really is about something that triggered me. It got me shaking. It got me mad. It got me crazy. So I woke up in the morning and my day was fine. Very perfect. And I was going through WhatsApp chats. And all of a sudden I turned to view people's statuses. And I saw this on my, I see this on my friend's status. Miss Caragua, Rebecca, a feminist in the African sense of it. I love her feminism. And she posted about an event which was talking about climate change and gender inclusion. This event is happening tomorrow, the 22nd of September, 2021. There were three panelists, amazing ones, intelligent ones, but none of them was a woman. And it got me thinking, wait a minute, did this organization ask itself what gender inclusion is? Was there a woman as part of the organizing committee? Are we even gender sensitive as a country? Well, if you're just tuning in for the first time, I'm from Uganda. So I asked myself, is it necessary? This is a non-governmental organization that for any reason I thought should be very gender sensitive. If, if it was a government thing, I'd be like, mm, okay, but this is a non-governmental organization that has branches in Africa and other parts of the world. They could do better. And so my friend, Caragua Rebecca, posted it on Twitter and they came and said, um, we apologize, we'll do better next time. And it got me even madder. I thought, next time? There is no next time on the calendar. We've got to do it now because there is no next time on the calendar. If you couldn't see it today, what's the guarantee that you're going to see it next time? And so for me, friends, this is an eye-opening opportunity that has made me realize that we are not yet there 
when it comes to gender parity as a continent, as a country, and probably as the world. We are not yet there because we cannot have a topic of gender inclusion and climate change being discussed and there is no woman on the panel. Who's going to speak for the women? And this is the same thing that I, that I keep saying. You know, we talk about youth and then we don't have young people on the panel. We talk about women and then we don't have women on the panel. We talk about climate change and then we don't have people with experience and knowledge about climate change on the panel. We only look for people that are going to pull crowds. We only look for celebrities. We only look for people with a following. No. As much as we appreciate and celebrate people holding high offices and having big followings on Twitter, we must balance the boat with the people that have the knowledge, the people that have lived the experience. And it's high time that we demanded for such spaces. Today it's about women, tomorrow it's about youth, the next day it's about persons with disabilities, the next time it's about climate change and young people. And we will not have those people in the room to speak up. We cannot be listeners all the time. And I want every climate change activist out there who is a woman to demand, get yourself up, walk to the room, move with your chair, sit at the door, sit at the window, give your opinion. If they're not going to give us space, we're going to get the space ourselves. We're going to sit on the tables if there, are no, there is no space for us to put our chairs. As long as we don't get hard. We are in business as usual. We are tired of people who organize events meant for a good cause with the wrong people. And every climate change activist out there, you've got to act. I am a feminist without an apology. And I always tell people that I am a feminist in the African sense of it because I grew up seeing my mother's stand up I grew and do amazing things. I grew up seeing them toil and sweat. I did not understand that certain roles were for men and certain roles were for women because in sweating and in toiling to make me better, they respected their husbands, they respected their brothers, they respected their sons. And I always say I have many mothers because very many women on the African continent from different parts of Africa have raised me. And have taught me to respect men and to respect women. And as a climate change activist, I still stand strong to say, we have got to put women at the forefront of climate change activism, at the forefront of decision-making um, discussions, at the forefront in those rooms. We need as much women as we need men in those rooms or even perhaps a little bit more because women are much more affected by climate change than men. At least for me in Africa, who knows that a woman has to wake up and go tilt the, so the soil so that is, she's able to provide food for the family. So we cannot keep ignoring them. Yeah, I know I am, I'm ranting so much and I'm so mad, but this is something that is happening. This is something that happened today. This is something that is very painful and we have got to do something about it. It's, it's got to start with me. Today I offered myself. I said, if you can't find another woman, just take me. I am ready to come be there and give my opinion. 
And so let's start having the conversation from there. Let's offer ourselves, let's disrupt people that are trying to keep keep us in a patriotic society. Let's disrupt such patriotic lives. We cannot keep in patriarchy every time. And we are tired of people singing the glories and the praises of the things they've done when in actual sense they are not doing it. Let's ask, let's push, let's demand and let's put ourselves there. Let's take action now. We've got nine years to achieve the sustainable development goal. And we cannot talk about goal 13 without talking about goal 5. All right. Have a blessed evening. I'm sure wherever you're listening to me from, you're going to do something to ensure that women are part of the discussion in every climate change panel. Thank you. Hi, everyone. Um, thank you for tuning in. Um, and welcome to the Climate Chat with the Mikaos. Today, we are going to be talking about going beyond activism. And um, if you're a climate change activist out there, you're probably, probably doing a lot of activism. And I want to appreciate you and thank you for dedicating your time. Um, if you've been tuning into this podcast, you'll probably notice that uh, my voice is a little bit hoarse and I want to apologize. I have a little cold, but I hope that you can listen to me. And for that matter, I'll not be putting any music to this podcast today um, because I want you to listen and maybe not struggle in case I am not clear. And so... A little bit about me, I was uh, an activist in the political space. I was advocating for African democracy and rights. I was uh, in the human rights spaces, the women's rights spaces, and the democracy spaces. I championed the ratification of the African Charter on Democracy Elections and Good Governance. Um, and so I thought that that was my career. I thought that that was my purpose. But God has a way of drawing us to our purpose. And so in about 2019 or thereabout, my friend Shadrach um, invited me uh, to a conversation and sat me down and talked to me about why I needed to become a climate change activist. But because I didn't understand the entire conversation, I thought it was a white man's um, project or something like that. And so I didn't really pay attention. I mean, I was thinking, we have all the trees that I could count from wherever I was standing, and we were seated under a tree at the time. Um, and so I was wondering, why do you have to tell me to advocate for people to plant more trees when people need to build houses, when housing and accommodation is a challenge? And so the whole thing was really not clear for me, but God drew me to my purpose in a way that was very unique. And um, I just wanted to let you know that God can draw you to your purpose so subconsciously, sometimes with your experiences. It can come through pain, it can come through joy, it can come through a friend, but God will always draw you to your purpose. So... After having that conversation with Shadrach, which I totally disregarded and thought was really wasteful um, and a waste of my time, 
in about 2019 or 20 yes 2019 towards the end um i started feeling itchiness of the eyes i started feeling sick um, but i noticed that when i was moving in the sun i would feel headache but when i was in the shed the headache would go and so like any other African, I thought, well, drinking water will do. It's just headache. So we'll do some water and some painkillers and we'll be good to go. So 2020, things get worse. Um, I find myself one time in a position and I think I think this was late 2019 still I find myself in a position where I couldn't open my eyes I woke up in the morning went to work and my eyes just shut I couldn't open my eyes and during that time I realized what it meant to be blind and so my friend who was very kind at the time Susan helped me down the stairs um, and took me to the hospital. Now, it wasn't easy to move from the first floor where our office was located to the ground floor because Susan had to walk me step by step. I mean, and every time I was so scared, I thought I was going to miss a step and then I was going to roll. But, well... I managed with all the fear, I, I managed to get down the stairs. The moment I reached down the stairs, oh my God, my eyes hurt so painfully. The sun was scorching hot. I got too much headache. We went to the high center, that high care center that was near us. And I remember they said they couldn't handle. We went to another, we got aboard and went to another high center. They couldn't handle. We went to another one, and these were big um, high care centers. Uh, we went to another one, and um, they couldn't handle. And then finally, we went to Dr. Agawao's high clinic. And yes, they did help me. They diagnosed me with dryness of the eyes. Um, they gave me some lubricants and drugs to take, and then uh, eyeglasses. Now, as this was happening on that fateful day that I went blind, I was supposed to go and do what I loved most, moderate a session on electrofinancing. And that meant for me that as a young girl, I was not only going to do what I love, but I was also going to be paid, meaning I was going to get some money. Yeah, like, yes, we live in a capitalistic society. So when you get a way of adding some money to your pockets, it's always a plus. But at that time, I was blind. So I was looking at the organizers that I had promised that I would attend to and uh, moderate the event and the panel discussion and me who was blind moving from high care, one eye care center to another. Now, if you're taking care of a blind person or if you're blind yourself, I want to say I celebrate you and I'm so proud of you because for the about three or four hours that I was blind, I realized how hard it means to be blind. 
I realized that I was close to losing my job because I needed to work on the computer 24-7. I realized that I was close to losing the moderating gig. Um, and so that meant that the extra money that was going to come in my pockets as a moderator for the event um, was going to be cut off. And I felt that I could literally go sit back home and be blind. Because to me, as a person who was not a medic and a lay person, there's no possibility that I was going to be able to open my eyes again. But with the help of Dr. Agawal's hospital and uh, the experts there, I was able to see again. And now I decided to find out what could have caused dryness of the eyes. And there are a million other reasons, as medics will tell you, this, um, the sun the lights from the laptop, phones and other gadgets and all other causes. But I particularly paid so much attention to the report from Hopkins Hospital that clearly discussed the causes of dryness of the eyes and particularly the UV radiation. And when I read that report, I became a climate change activist. I realized that the tree that I kept standing under to get shed every time I got too much headache, as my dear friend Susan was helping me kindly, and Susan, I really thank you. Every time I stood in the shed, my pain would relax. And the shed was the most important thing for me. And so I realized that I needed to have more shed in the future. Right at that moment, after reading that report and relating it to my experience, I became a climate change activist. I advocated for people to plant trees. I advocated for people to, you know, protect the wetlands. I explained to whoever cared to hear why we needed to reduce the uh, the um, emissions the, of gases, carbon dioxide, and all those other gases in the atmosphere. You know, I, I taught everybody who cared to listen about climate change activism and why they needed to be an activist and why climate change was very important. And every time I told people about my story, they never really understood. Just like if if somebody told me about a blind person, I would tell them, oh, look, you could do a million other things. I mean, you're blind, but you have your fingers, so you could do some things with your fingers and people will, you know, pay for it. But right at the moment when I got blind, like, guys, it was hard. I, I couldn't imagine doing anything without seeing. So that experience for me made me become a climate change activist. And so today we are talking about going beyond activism. For the first about six months, I tweeted about it. I shared about uh, climate change on Facebook, Twitter, and other social media handles. Um, but after six months, I asked myself, why? Why was I doing this? And why? what did I want to be remembered for? They want to be remembered on Twitter and on Facebook. Could I do something for myself? And so I started planting trees with the hope that another person who could be going through what I went through 
will one day find shade to rest and relax that headache. And so every time I plant a tree, I remember that the shade was the first medicine I got for my eye problem before I could find a hospital. And that for me is what I call going beyond activism. I learned from that moment that I needed to do something physically. And so right now I plant trees wherever I go and whenever I get the opportunity. But I've also opened up a campaign in my district in northern Uganda, the district of Otuke, where I work with rural women to preserve the share nut tree and also encourage them to plant more trees in their land um, so that they're able to have shade in their homes, but also uh, well aware of the fact that trees curb uh, the carbon dioxide and so it reduces on the amount that is absorbed by the atmosphere and also for the rainfall and all those other things. So I am an advocate for a green environment. I am an advocate for a clean and healthy environment. And I believe that climate change is really intertwined to our health. I may not be a medical doctor. I may not be an high care specialist. But I know that if we are to live in harmony with nature and if we are to live long and avoid all these diseases that are cropping up, we must take action. And taking action is what I call going beyond activism. Work with your community just like I do to plant more trees, to preserve the wetlands, and to preserve the ecosystem. When you take action, you will be proud every time you see the results of your action. Interestingly, you will be so proud. Just like every time I see a tree that I planted that has grown and blossomed, I am so happy because it, ins it inspires me and it reminds me that one day that might be the shade that I need or somebody else in my situation might rest under that tree. Just like I rested under thousands of trees that were planted by people, unknown people, people that I didn't even have the opportunity to meet. Trees that probably were planted along the roads, along the streets, became my shed and my first medicine. So every time I plant a tree, I know that I'm planting for someone their first medicine. So let's go out there as climate change activists and take action. Let's go beyond activism and take action. And my message for this COP26 is, uh, to COP26 organizers, is that we must take action. It matters. It counts. It doesn't matter if people are not seeing it right now. One day, just one day, you might save us all and give someone their first medicine. Just like the people I didn't meet, the people I don't know, strangers, those that could be no more on this planet Earth, gave me my first medicine when they planted the trees that I rested under. On the day that my friend, kind-hearted and sweet Susan, walked me from hospital to hospital to have my eyes treated and as able to see again. Thank you, Dr. Agawal, for restoring my vision. 
Thank you. Climate change activists for advocating for a greener environment. And thank you to every person that planted those trees on the streets of Kampala because they acted as my first medicine. And because of you, I pledge to take action. <laughs>